Welcome back to the Gentle Catholic Parenting Podcast, where I explore gentle, positive principles of parenting through the lens of our Catholic faith. I'm your host, Kim Cameron Smith, and this is episode eight. Today, I'm going to be focusing on marriage, and in particular, how we can avoid some bad habits in the way we communicate, particularly during conflict. I recently was looking through some resources for a different project, and I came across in three different places the four deadly horsemen of marriage. And these are bad habits identified by John Gottman, bad habits that are destructive to marriage, and they all involve communication. So John Gottman is, he's, he's famous, he's been around since the 80s. He has a marriage clinic um, up in Seattle. He has some researchers and they, they, um, you know, they, they observe the way spouses communicate and they've come up with a kind of model to predict the longevity of marriage. And they think they can predict, um, you know, the strength and happiness of marriage and how long they'll last. But I won't be talking about all that. I'm going to just be focusing on this narrow, um, this narrow area of his work, and it's the Four Deadly Horsemen of Marriage. Now, it's interesting to note that Gottman found that um, it is not conflict in marriage that gets us into problems. It's not conflict itself. It's how we manage conflict. So there are some ways of managing conflict that are healthier than others. So I want to keep it on a positive note. So what I'm going to try to do is talk about these four deadly habits, these four destructive habits, but I'll try to offer some positive um, counterpoints so that we can have something positive to work with. So the first deadly horseman that we should avoid is criticism. Criticism. So what, what is criticism? So criticism is not complaining. So it's okay to voice a complaint to your spouse about a specific problem in a direct, productive way without being critical. Criticism is different. Criticism, a complaint will focus on an issue while a criticism attacks the spouse's character. So, and why is this destructive? constant criticism, it weakens the trust between the spouses. We don't feel safe with each other. So if we feel constantly attacked, we are not one another's safe harbor. So when I think about this, um, and what do I mean by that, by safe harbor? So a safe safe harbor is kind of, um, we are meant to be one another's safe harbor in marriage. We are meant to be one another's protection against the winds and storms and chaos outside in the world. And if you're, um, you know, being criticized at home, it kind of, you know, could takes away from that sense of safety and trust with your spouse. So when I think about this horseman, this deadly horseman, I sometimes start out with an honest complaint, like a healthy complaint. And I'll be expressing my feelings to my husband but somehow it can digress into criticism. And I'm realizing this when I'm 
because I, I, when I read the Four Horsemen, I thought, oh, well, I don't, I never do, <laughs> I never do this, and that's not true. I can see, um, see myself in some of these, so a clue that I am um, moving into criticism is, and this is actually true for everyone, if you tend to use the word always, you're always on the computer. You never finish loading the dishwasher. You always leave me to do the pots and pans, right? Those sort of like exaggerated claims and talking about never and always. That's a, um, it registers to the other person as criticism. So one way to avoid criticizing is just to use, to focus on yourself. So just talk about how you're feeling or what you need and not what your spouse is doing to let you down. Well, this is really hard, isn't it? I mean, of course, it's very difficult and it's such a subtle difference, but I'm sure that he's right. So your spouse is less likely to be defensive if you just explain how you're feeling without blaming them for how you're feeling. If you just get to the point and talk about the issue at hand and not kind of attack them. The second destructive uh, communication habit we can have is contempt. Contempt is criticism on steroids. Contempt is sarcasm, cynicism, name calling, eye rolling, being sneering and mocking, you know, it's just very hostile. The target of the contempt to that spouse feels like you are looking down on them. And in fact, the person who is showing contempt often does have an attitude like they're better than the other person. So they try to make the other person seem dumb or, um, you know, unsophisticated in some way. And if the target spouse is has low self-esteem or is suffering um, in any way like that, they can actually begin to believe this over time. Contempt is very destructive and defeating. Gottman believes that contemptuous communication is the single biggest predictor of divorce. So it should be absolutely avoided. Some of the other horsemen, these other three habits, they do arise. They come, we all do this, we all criticize, we all do the other two things that I'll talk about. But he definitely warns spouses to like contempt is very, very toxic, and we should avoid it. So he suggests that we cultivate a culture of appreciation in our marriage, that we have respect for one another in our marriage by regularly expressing appreciation, gratitude, affection and respect. The more positive you feel, the less likely you're going to feel or express contempt anyway. So this is not only a way of avoiding it, you probably won't even feel contemptuous towards your spouse if you and your spouse try to cultivate this culture of appreciation. The third communication habit we want to avoid is defensiveness. Defensiveness. Some spouses become defensive in response to the criticizing spouse. So if one spouse is constantly criticizing, the other spouse will erect a defense in a self-protective mood move. That's very human. And we do this when we feel attacked. We just kind of put up a barrier. 
the so the attacked spouse shows righteous ind- indignation or innocent victimhood in an attempt to ward off this perceived attack. The problem is that unfortunately becoming defensive only makes the problem worse because now you have a criticizing spouse and a spouse who in turn is blaming the other spouse. So you're at a standstill. Your one is criticizing, the other is defending. So instead, if you have a habit of being defensive, can you see your part at all? Can you admit your part um, where, you know, that you have some part in where things went wrong? So I didn't really think Philip and I, I mean, I don't think we generally have a big uh, defense issue in our relationship, but I have over the years, I've been married for 22 years, and I do um, sometimes complain about Philip's showers. He takes long showers. Sometimes these are productive type complaints where I focus on my needs, but oftentimes I do criticize. And so he can become defensive. And so he will um, try to defend himself and explain why he has to stay in the shower for that long. And, you know, then I just become more irritated. And we have had this same conversation for so many times for 22 years. I'm actually learning about futility in psychology. And I realize like some things that I do are very futile. <laughs> this is one of them that I, ha- I cannot accept that I can't change this, that he will always take these long showers. But anyway, a few months ago, I had complained about his long shower, and he did something different. He said, I know, I wish I didn't take such long showers. I wish I didn't have to take such long showers. It's just one of my things. Well, I have, you know, things too. I have things that I do that I know are not optimal. I mean, I drink too much coffee. You know, I I understand what it means to have a thing that you know is probably not the best, but you're just not quite ready to let go of. And so, you know, I'm going to let him work that out on his own. And I'm going to stop not only criticizing, I'm just not going to complain about it anymore. So that is an example of how Philip took that new road where he um, just, it, it was just a small thing. He just said, yeah, I, I, wish I wish I didn't take such long showers. And it completely changed how I feel about it. I feel like, well, yep, shoot, I have those things too. And well, I'm not gonna complain about it anymore. All right, the fourth deadly horseman is stonewalling. So this is when one spouse shuts the other one out completely and withdraws from a discussion. They they don't just put up a barrier like a person that's defending themselves. They put up a wall. They don't criticize. They don't show contempt. They don't defend themselves. They just shut down and shut out. They leave the other spouse out in the cold emotionally and sometimes physically sometimes people who stonewall will just like walk away and not talk to the other spouse so what is the problem with this habit it's destructive because what is the message you're sending you're saying you're not important you're not worth fighting for 
I don't even want to see you or hear you. Apparently, men are more likely to be stonewallers and women are more likely to be criticizers and they kind of go hand in hand. So I don't know if that's true in your home. I, Philip and I don't really tend to stonewall, but um, I think I can imagine that that got that um, Gottman's right about that, that men tend to be stonewallers. And the reason is because stonewallers, they often do this because they actually become emotionally overwhelmed and they don't know how to handle it without exploding in anger. So what they do is they withdraw. So they're afraid they're going to explode in anger, so they withdraw. So if you think about that, it kind of it kind of gives you compassion for the stonewaller. So if you are a stonewaller, one thing you can do in, in instead, you know, instead of just erecting that, you know, impenetrable fort, you know, wall, just say, I need to take a break. I need to take a break. And this will allow your body to calm down and for you to gather your thoughts. But you are not rejecting your husband or your wife. You're, um, you're just taking a break. And that is um, much healthier. So here's something that I read on Gottman's website. And this is this will give you this will um, you'll appreciate this I think relationship conflict is natural and has functional positive aspects that provide opportunities for growth and understanding and there are problems that you just won't solve due to natural personality differences between you and your partner but if you can learn to manage those problems in a healthy way then your relationship will succeed you see because in all relationships, even healthy ones, you will have conflict. And there are some things that, you know, personality differences, cultural backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds, these are some things that at actual, I mean, you will inevitably have quote unquote conflict, but that doesn't mean you have to have destructive fighting. When you confront those differences in a healthy way, it actually can help you grow closer. It helps you um, grow closer despite those things. It helps you get over them. So the four deadly horsemen are so destructive because they set up a lose-lose dynamic in your relationship. A lose-lose dynamic. Both spouses lose. We have to turn toward one another in conflict with an attitude of being more uh, open emotionally, even when we're disagreeing. And that is hard to do, but you, we can, you can do it, especially those of us who are Catholic because we have the graces of marriage that give us supernatural power in overcoming some of these divisions in our marriages. So I wanna read um, section 1604 from the Catechism. God who created man out of love also calls him to love. It's the fundamental and innate vocation of every human being. For man is created in the image and likeness of God, who is himself love. Since God created him, man and woman, their mutual love becomes an image of the absolute and unfailing love with which God loves man. That's section 1604. The most fundamental aspect of our humanity is our connection to God and to one another. 
to be disconnected from an understanding of what it is to love and how to live it out is tragic. And really, it's the tool of the devil. The devil wants to divide us from our spouse. He will look for ways to get into our marriages and divide us. So in the, in the, um, the passage from the catechism I read, we can see that the love between husband and wife, it's an image of the love that God has for mankind. But our love becomes disordered because of original sin. In the Garden of Eden, the communion between man and woman was ruptured because of their mutual recrimination. They blamed each other for their problems. That's in uh, the Catechism in section 1607. It's exactly what Gottman says. In, in the Catechism, it says this, that their communion was ruptured because of their mutual recrimination. That means they were blaming each other for their problems. So we don't want to blame each other. We don't want to get defensive. We want to protect our connection to our spouse. Spousal love is meant to be our safe haven from the storms of life. Love is our fortress. Marital love is our fortress. It's designed to provide us with protection so we can cope with the ups and downs of daily life and chaos in the world and the wounding that happens in the world. But if our home and our relationship is the place of wounding, oh, we have nowhere to go and we suffer. And our children will see this as normative. Our children will think that, oh, this is what love looks like. This is what it means to care about somebody. You criticize them, you push them away, you put them down, you distance yourself. Our marriage models for our children how to be in an intimate relationship. We all want somebody who we can reveal our hearts to and who we can be honest with without being crushed. So we wanna be that to our spouse. We start with us. We wanna be that to our spouse. Our spouse. So I appreciate Gottman's um, points about these communication habits because it can help us you know, keep our communication with our spouses strong and we can model for our kids how to handle their own conflicts in a more healthy way, not by attacking or defending, but by protecting the relationship. Even while being honest, we can be honest about our concerns and what we need, but we can still protect the connection. So I hope you found um, the tips helpful. I know I really appreciated understanding some of the subtleties of communication and I also appreciated knowing it's okay to have conflict in my marriage and I can make choices in how I handle that conflict that can actually deepen my um, my connection to Philip. I think the big thing I want to make sure that I make this point that even I think we need to have a positive tone in our marriage so that if even if we do have these conversations where we um, we complain in a productive way, we, we want to make sure that that's not the norm, that, you know, when we have a complaint, it's, um, I don't know, I just think that, I appreciate his point, but I just think that I want to make sure that my marriage is generally positive and, and um, you know, that I'm not complaining 90% of the time. I think that does need to be said. Okay, so that's it for today. You can read show notes for this podcast on my website, intentionalcatholicparenting.com. You will find 
articles there and links to research, a link to my Facebook page where you can meet other parents who are interested in attentional Catholic parenting. Pray for me as I will for you. Have a wonderful day. 